0: Welcome to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Matthew 21, 1 through 17. If you got your Bibles, pull them out. We're a papal Bible. Papal? Bible church so grab that as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives Jesus sent two disciples saying to them go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt untie them and bring them to me if anyone says anything to you say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Very large crowds spread their cloaks on the road, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling the doves. It is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. I wanna stop there just for a second and talk about this. Many of you might know what's happening, but I think it's important to highlight Jesus just came in on the triumphal entry, right? I mean, you're talking the king of kings coming in on this donkey, just like the prophecy said. And the first thing he does is comes into the temple and turns over the tables of the money changers. And why that's important to know is back in those days, everybody would have to come to the temple at least once a year and make a sacrifice for the atonement of their sins. And they would approach the temple. They would come from far away with all their foreign currencies and they would come up to the temple And they would need to exchange their currencies so that they could buy a sacrifice, an animal for a sacrifice. So they would come, exchange their monies, but the money changers were taking advantage of them. And the people they were buying the sacrifices from were as well. So Jesus came in and started flipping tables out of a righteous anger, protecting what the house of God is for. It's not bad to do business in the house of God. It's not bad that the house of God actually has business. It should be a hub for everyone to come and feel like they could bring their all and be a part of it. It's bad when it's for selfish gain and not for heaven. So I think it's an important thing to highlight. I'm not gonna preach about it, but I'm gonna highlight it. Then verse 14, I love this change up. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. And he left them and he went out to the city of Bethany where he spent the night. And I also want to really quickly highlight Zechariah 9.9. This is 550 years before Jesus walked in on the donkey and this was stated. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the full of a donkey. The title of my message today is simply this. Expect the king. Expect the king. What are you expecting in your life? Expect the King. Let's pray. Lord, right now, we just thank you for these moments when we get to stop and reflect and we get to even celebrate all the things you've done in our lives In the craziness of our weeks as we all have come in here and had so much going on. I pray, God, that we will be so settled and out of this, you'll speak something into our hearts.
1: So open up ears
0: to hear, open up minds to receive. Let hearts be softened in this room. Anoint my voice to speak your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Expect the king, expect the king. When Brienne and I decided we were moving here to plant the church, we knew that it was gonna be something that we needed to buy a house when we moved here. It was one of those things, we're going to full send to this thing, and we are going to buy a house. We wanted our kids to feel immediately settled. It had been uh, almost like two years of feeling very unsettled with where we were living, going from rentals to another house to another house, and it just felt like a bit of chaos for our family. And so we thought, man, if we could just go for it and buy a house, when we show up, we could walk in there, and our kids will feel immediately settled. As well as, we were showing up on a Thursday, and Sunday we were announcing we were planting a church in eight months. I want you to think about the craziness of that. And here we are, a little, a year and two months later, three months later, with a church just going crazy, okay? But I remember, we're looking on Zillow, we had our house, we're like trying to sell our house, and... I'm looking all over Zillow, looking for the right house for us. And our realtor wasn't really finding the right thing. We were looking all through Tampa, and it was getting expensive at the time. It's, like, expensive now, but it was, like, getting expensive then. You know what I'm saying? And and what was happening is, is we saw that the prices were rising, so we thought, man, let's just, you know, widen our search a little bit. And we looked out on this place called Brandon. Neither of us had ever heard of Brandon. We had never been to Brandon. We know that Brandon is just kind of a place where people shop. It's not a place where people live now. You know what I'm saying? But we looked this house up, and we go, that's our, we found this house on Zillow, and we go, from the pictures, that's our dream house. Oh, my goodness, this is exactly, it checks all the boxes of what we want. So we called our realtor. We said, put an offer on that house. We had never seen the house. Our realtor had never seen the house. We just saw the pictures. So we said, put an offer on the house. She put an offer on. It's an amazing story. I'll save it for another message. But after just a couple days, They received our contingent offer, and we got our dream house and knew that everything was locked and loaded, ready to go for us to move to Florida. So, you know, it's like the thing that you do when you buy a house or you see a house that you're renting is you keep looking through the pictures. Anybody else? A couple of you. Thank you. A bunch of real. We're going to bring the band back up, and we're just going to you look through the pictures. Anytime you're getting a new car, you're just looking through the pictures. You're looking at the house. You're looking at the pictures. You want to visualize your stuff in there. You want to see. You want to expect your, yourself living there. And we kept looking through the pictures. I'm going to put this first picture up if we got it. Now, that's not our furniture, okay? But that is like our family room and kitchen area. You know what I'm saying? That zebra rug, maybe we bought it from Maybe we didn't. You'll never know, okay? But you could see how we could see this and visualize ourselves. I was looking at the light fixtures going, we're going to change those out the first moment I get there. And the paint looks really good around the house. Isn't that something you always look for in houses? The paint looks really good and clean. The floors look amazing, immaculate. You know, looking at that entertainment center, that's not for us. But, I, you know, it's a great space for something. And so we showed up in, in Florida. And uh, the first day we rock in, I'm like, let's go see the house. No one's living there. Let's go see it. So the house is locked. We run around the backyard, and we start looking through the windows. And what we begin to see is, can you put the next picture up? That was where the entertainment center was. And I'm looking at that, and I'm going, that doesn't match up to what the picture. I'm looking at the picture like I'm ready to move in. You know, I'm going to put my TV right there right now. And then I see this. and could you go to the next picture? This is the paint job through the entire house. Now, a little disclaimer for everybody in here: If you've never been taught how to paint, don't paint, please. Like for everybody else, just don't paint. Just watch a YouTube video, and I'm sure you could learn something. But don't paint if you didn't, if you're never taught how to. So I remember being so disappointed. As silly as that is, we love the bones of our house, and I'm not a massive complainer, but I was so disappointed because the expectations that I had in my head of the house we were getting that we just moved across the very country for, we rock up, and it looks like this. I'm like, just think about all the work that I have to do, and I'm just like stressed out immediately from all this thing. I'm not a big complainer about this stuff, but I remember being very, very stressed out about all these things. It didn't meet my expectations. Now you can show our final product of what we have now. So this is that same corner. I painted it, okay? I've been trained in painting, so I know what to do. And we painted that, and now that's where our kids uh, do some school and all that fun stuff. And it matches the expectations in our head. It matches it. See, this is basically what I believe happened on Palm Sunday. The Israelites had a picture and a glimpse of what their king was supposed to be through the prophecy of Zechariah. But their expectations didn't match up to the king. See, now the Israelites had been under oppression by the Roman Empire for years. And they had probably heard stories of all of the times that you had King David and King Solomon who were triumphant in the land. And had great rule and dominion over all of the land. So the Israelites, when they heard this prophecy, they were longing For that kind of king to come back and rule and reign. For a physical king to come down and rule and reign. Someone that could stand up for their nation. They had heard these prophecies. And they thought that this salvation that this king was bringing was an earthly salvation. And that this king was coming to enable them as a country to rise up to the top as God's chosen people yet again. So I want you to picture this with me. These people have this expectation of an earthly salvation from under the Roman Empire. And they come, and here comes the prophecy down the road. Here's Jesus riding on a donkey with a baby donkey coming down, and they hear the cries of the people, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. So you can imagine what they're thinking. This is the moment. This is our salvation. This is what we've been waiting for. We expect you to save us. So what they do in this moment is so counterculture. They take off their only outer clothing. They probably only had one coat at this time. They weren't like some of my friends where you walk into their house and they're like, yeah, I use this closet, I use this closet, and I have this many pair of shoes. You know what I'm saying? Those people. That's not us. We got like a budget like once every two months we can go buy another shirt from Ross. You know what I'm saying? Thrift stores. Thank God for thrift stores. Red, white, and blue holler at you. they weren't like that. They would have had one coat. And what they did in this moment out of honor and reverence for their king and their savior coming down is they took their one coat off and they laid it on the ground. And they grabbed palm branches. And I want you to visualize this picture with me really fast. Is that okay? Can we visualize this? I want you to visualize Jesus coming down off of the hill. And this is on the Mount of Olives and it's east of Jerusalem. And on, when they're coming down this hill... It's believed that in a panoramic view, you could look across and see all of Jerusalem, and you could see the temple. So picture this with me. There's your Savior, there's your King coming down, fulfilling the prophecy, and you look over here, and there is the the place where he's going to come fulfill it to. Your expectations are massive at this point. Anybody else? See, what happens in this moment is wild. Wild. When they think that their earthly Savior is coming to make right the kingdom of Jerusalem, they make their way proclaiming Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were giving praise to a man that they didn't even know was God. They were giving praise to him. The the man who comes in the name of the Lord. It says this in verse 10. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So they were completely unaware. I love how it continues to even talk about, Jesus goes on to say, have you ever heard it read that from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise. That's a direct quote from Psalms 8, where David writes this. And so you have these children who have no idea what's going on. They just hear the adults talking about it, right? And they're sitting there declaring out praise. And I almost think as well, That the people of that time were so spiritually immature, just like children in the faith, that they weren't even able to see that this was God himself standing in front of them. This is God himself. So fast forward four short days later to an angry crowd, which would have been made up of the same people that prepared the way for him. Now instead of shouting, Hosanna, they shouted, crucify him. Four short days later, how do you get there? Four days ago, you're standing on the Mount of Olives looking across, seeing, you're dreaming of the moment that you will be the most triumphant nation of all time. And now four days later, crucify him. Crucify him. How does a crowd that laid down their only coat, that publicly praised this man, now turn and send him to the cross? I want to say this, they didn't understand which kingdom he was coming to reign over. See, they were looking for their earthly Messiah to deliver the Jews once and for all. Yet Jesus came to be the Messiah of their souls once and for all. They were looking for the fulfillment of their earthly kingdom, yet Jesus was looking to fulfill their eternal kingdom position. They were looking for the fulfillment of the law, yet Jesus was coming to fulfill the law and bring a new covenant. They were looking for their earthly identity to be a nation, yet Jesus was coming to complete our identity as a chosen people. They were looking for the rule and reign of their physical enemy of the Romans to be demolished, yet Jesus is coming to demolish the rule and reign of the, the enemy of our souls. They wanted a worldly salvation, yet Jesus brought an eternal salvation. So their expectations of the prophecies were skewed. They weren't met. They didn't understand what king they were receiving. So when Jesus is now at trial and not fulfilling the people's expectations, they are immediately angered. They say, this man that they had publicly honored was fake in their eyes. And now he wasn't going to fulfill their understanding of the prophecies. He didn't meet their expectations. You know, in marriage so often, I think that every single fight can kind of come down to either unmet or misunderstood expectations. I think in pretty much every relationship, you can look at all your friendships, relationships with your parents, and you could kind of boil all of your fights down to one thing. You said you were going to do one thing, and you didn't. You said you were going to have this kind of character, and you didn't. It's an expectation of them. And there's a breakdown of maybe unmet or misunderstood expectations. And this has happened... More times than once in our household through many little things. And I remember one of the ones that I struggled with the most is I would always tell Brianna, back at our last church, I'd always tell her, I'm going to be home at this certain time. And she's like, great. So she's got her mindset, I'm going to get a break from the kids when you get home at that certain time. And what would happen, I'd get out of my office ready to rock home at that certain time, and then a friend would be walking down the hall. And you just stop for a second and say, what's up? How you doing? Did you see this? You know what I mean? And then it's like 10 minutes goes by, and then you walk down the hall a little bit more, and then your boss stops you, and you talk a little bit more, and then you find somebody else and have a pastoral conversation. An hour and a half goes by, and Brianna's like sent me a ton of texts like, where are you? Are you coming home? You know what I mean? And I I didn't meet up to the expectations. It was an unmet expectation. That's something I've worked on heavily over the last season, and it helps a lot that I don't have an office anymore, and I just kind of work in coffee shops, thank God. But I tell you what, those little things can cause massive rifts in your relationships. And I remember one thing with a friend where it was a misunderstood expectation. We had talked when we were together, and we said, hey, let's talk on the phone every other week. Let's make a point that Wednesday at 9 a.m., I will call you or you call me every other week. And he goes, yeah, that's awesome. He lives all the way across the world, and so we want to maintain a friendship. And I knew that it was every other week, but for some reason, he heard every week. So every week at nine, he'd be calling me and texting me, where are you, where are you? And then it kind of just got in this craziness of conversation and it it seemed like we were just not on the same page ever. And I remember he was very frustrated with me. He was like, "Why, why is it that when I call you, you haven't set aside that time that we agreed on? And I said, well, you keep calling me every single week. Like we talked about every other week, I got it in my calendar right here, but it was a misunderstood expectation. Now we talk every other week and everything's good. But there can be so many issues. You talk about bigger reasons for breakups, hardships in relationships, all these things can come down to unmet or misunderstood expectation. I really really believe that the best way to help people with misunderstood expectations is simply to help them to understand until it's understood. It's not just about, this is kind of a leadership talk, breakout for a second. It's not just about making your point known. You have to make your point known until it's understood completely. And that's when you know that you are operating in the best way with expectations. So what are you expecting of the king? These people had all their expectations unmet because of how they saw the prophecy foretold. And maybe someone in here today has the same point of view of God. It was similar to those people. Can I tell you that he came for you, not for an earthly throne. He came to sit on the throne of heaven and the throne of your heart. Now, church, we just have to keep our eyes fixed and understand that the king has come and is accessible to us. His rule and reign in your life is dependent on how you receive him. His grace covers your past, enables you to open your heart. Lay it all down like the palm branches and coats and be a true worshiper of Jesus, saying, Hosanna in the highest! Here comes our King. Now I love to grill. I love any chance that I get to uh, to cook some meats. I have a couple grills at my house, and I'll do some things. and At our men's night a couple weeks ago, anybody come out to men's night? I love these guys. Bobby loved it. At our men's night, we grilled a lot of meats, and I was supposed to bring my grill, but it was kind of messy. And as I'm coming in. Uh, Kirby gives me a call and says, we need your grill. So I go to Home Depot and I buy another grill, and I bring it over here. And I've set up a lot of grills because I've grilled a lot. So I'm sitting outside and I'm just putting this grill together as fast as I can. Like, I'm just, you know, everybody else has a job, and I'm like, I can do this. This is what I can do. I'm going to help build this grill right here. And Josh Trollshagen walks up, and as I'm building this thing, he goes like, are you just going to build without the directions? And I was like, yeah, of course. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? I've built these before. And so I'm putting all these things on, these, like, permanent screws that can't come off and all these things. And then it was probably 30 seconds later I realized that I made, like, the biggest mistake on this thing. And I'm, like, looking for wrenches to, like, pull these bolts out and all these things. And we ended up just taking the grill and just setting it down on the ground without, like, the ashtray underneath. And it was terrible. It didn't even have handles on it. It was pretty terrible. It's still sitting out back if you want to see it, but... The wheels fell off. (laughs) It's crazy, man. (laughs) You know, I I wonder how many of us are unclear or unwilling to fully understand the position we are to take in expectation of the king. And when he is there, fully ready to do what he came to do, we don't know how to approach it. We are stuck in our own ways so much that we neglect to simply look at the directions right in front of us. Now that we're at Palm Sunday... And now that we're on the other side of the resurrection and understand our position in the midst of this whole thing, we're able to reflect on the whole word of God. So I have four simple questions to ask you, and that's going to be our Palm Sunday. And maybe this will help us to live in expectation of the king. we got to live in expectation of the king. These people lived in expectation of a savior, lived in expectation of Jesus to come and do what they thought he was supposed to do. But can I tell you that we need to have the same response, but now we know what he's going to do. We need to live in expectation of Jesus. And I believe we can look back to the directions that have already been given of the first time he came. And we can live in expectation every single day for what Jesus will do in and through our lives. So four simple questions. If you're taking notes, write these down. What are your expectations of Jesus? Are they clear? Do you have clear expectations of Jesus? Another question, too, is are they selfish or selfless? See, so often we can put our expectations through the lens of what we want or need rather than what's right. So we are selfishly putting expectations on Jesus like the Jews would have, or we are selflessly expecting him to come and have rule and reign. It's one or the other. We need to understand his heavenly position and the authority and expect that in our lives. Matthew 28, 19, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. So many people can misquote that. It's been given to us. Yes, through Jesus, though. It's been given to him. So we have to understand and expect that kind of authority in our lives. Are you expecting that? When we have selfless selfless expectations for God to do his will, not ours, we enable him to rule and reign in us and over all. So you want to know the king you're receiving? Simply read the Gospels. You want to know what king you're you're receiving? Read the red letters, the heart of Jesus for his people, his heart, his love, and how he trains people with some hard love. If you want to know the expectations of Jesus, look at his word. This can be our expectation. We really believe what Jesus is to us is He is God. But in the midst of that, He is our glorious Savior. He's our teacher. He's the great I am. He's the light of the world. He's our friend. He's the bread of life, the good shepherd, the true vine, the Lord of all, our way to the Father, high priest, our atonement, our redeemer and the King of Kings. These are what we can expect from Jesus. So what are you expecting of Jesus? What are your expectations of him? Are they clear? Do you know what he came to do in your life? Do you know who he is to you? That has to be crystal clear for you today. For you to operate in the will that God has for your life, to operate in the calling that he has for your life, you need to know who he is and what you can expect from him. Is that all right? I'm going to invite the band up as I talk through the rest of these questions. Question number two. Are you preparing your heart for his rule and reign every day? Are you preparing your heart for his rule and reign every day? Another question to go along for that, with that is, is it for your gain or for his? Is it for your gain or for his? See, the ways of this world have no hold and have no power. We need to make room for Jesus and his work in us. John wrote in preparation for Jesus' rule and reign in his life, he said this, John 3, 30, he must become greater and I must become less. So many times I hear worship leaders say on stage, they'll go, more of you, God. They'll sing this line, more of you, God. Come on, cry out to the Lord for more of him. But unless you understand the full context of what's happening, even in this scripture, there can't be more of God in your life without less of you. There needs to be a transaction that takes place. When you want more of God in your life, you better accompany that by less of me. I'm willing to lay it all down, less of me, more of you, God. And when you understand the context of that, yes, you can say it in a worship service, more of you, God, but you better understand the flip side that it means less of me. See, we can't wait till all the signs are there to prepare We have to start and keep our heart daily in a posture for allowing him to rule and reign. Just like the people, they would have been thinking about when this king was coming. We need to be thinking the same for our lives. Are you expecting it? Are you ready for it? Are you preparing your heart for his rule and reign every day? We need to be prepared. Third question. Are you laying it all down at the feet of Jesus in honor and reverence for his kingship? Are you laying it all down? the feet of Jesus in honor and reverence for his kingship Hebrews 12 28 through 29 there couldn't be a more perfect scripture for this therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken hello let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire we should be sacrificially surrendering to Jesus laying even our last coat down to show him honor and reverence. What in your life can you show that kind of reverence with? Not just words. Man, it's so easy to praise with just words and honor with just words, but what can we show with our actions that we can lay down? Fourth question. What does your praise sound like to the King of Kings? When we're expecting the King, what does our praise sound like? Matthew 21, 9 through 11 says, The crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest heavens. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? Crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. See, Hosanna, as we understand it in today's day and age, is simply an expression of praise and exaltation unto God. But what they were shouting back then in the real definition of Hosanna is save me, save me. So they were proclaiming to Jesus, save us for an earthly idea of what they thought. But for us today, what does your praise sound like? What does your praise sound like? If they only understood the power of the fact that he was not coming just for an earthly salvation, but for a kingdom, salvation so let's apply this today you might be going through a tough patch in your life you might have discord in every single area you might be coming up against the hardest moments feeling like you're under the rule and reign of the enemy feeling like you can't escape the ways of the world feeling like the flesh has captured your attention and you come into worship desperately worshiping and trying to worship your way through a storm which is a great place to be It's a great place to be. But let me tell you, it's not just about the declaration of your words. It's about the posture of your heart, knowing that Jesus has, is, and will save you. So let your worship be a sacrifice of praise, showing your position of servanthood. Are you with me, church? Let your worship be a sacrifice of praise, showing your position of servanthood. So church, What are your expectations of Jesus? Are they clear? Are you preparing your heart for his rule and reign every day? Are you laying it all down at the feet of Jesus in honor and reverence for his kingship? And what does your praise sound like to the king of kings? we got to expect the king. we got to know what we have. We have the king of kings and the Lord of lords who's able to reign in our hearts and reign over all. He has all authority on heaven and earth. We need to expect In conclusion, I wanna go back to the beginning of this scripture where Jesus tells the disciples to grab the colt. Matthew 21, six through seven. says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the fact that so many people from the crowd would have just come up to the road, heard some commotion of what was happening and just gone, what's going on? And they go, it's Jesus. And they started lowering their their cloaks and their, their palm branches. And people would have just done it out of seeing other people do it. Even the children would have said Hosanna because the people were saying Hosanna. They would have just reacted because everybody else was doing it. But something significant happens right here in the scripture. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on it for Jesus to sit on. Do you think the crowds would have laid their cloaks out of reverence and honor for Christ if they didn't see others do it first? But the disciples, before everybody else, had a hard posture. They knew the inheritance of what was happening and they chose out of reverence and honor to put it all on the line. It was against culture. It didn't make sense at all. This would have been crazy. What do you mean you're putting your only coat down for this man to sit on? But out of reverence and honor they laid it down for Jesus as an example See, our expectation of Jesus should be an example for others to fall in line with. We should be leading the way just like the disciples because we know the true Jesus. We know what he came to do. We know the rule and reign he has in our lives. We know the rule and reign he had over the cross. And when he triumphed over the grave, we can see the whole picture now. So church... Are you leading the way in honor and reverence for Jesus? With expectation for him to rule and reign in your life, are you laying it all down? You'll hear us talk about this at church, lay it all at the altar. You'll hear people say, lay it at the foot of the cross. And it just means simply coming ready to surrender at the feet of Jesus. And that's what everybody got in line to do. And I wanna challenge you today, church. Are you expecting the king? Are you expecting the rule and reign of his kingship in your life? I think things will change in your life. I think things will look a little bit different when you understand the authority of what God has done in and through your life. I think your reaction to sin will look a little bit different. I think your reaction to the ways of the world will look a little bit different. When it feels like everything's crowding around you, you go, I expect the king. I know his rule and his authority and his dominion. You'll put the enemy back in his place. Would you stand to your feet? If you would close your eyes and bow your heads. wanna get privacy just real quick. Maybe you heard me talking in here about Jesus and you believe the words are true what I'm saying and you go, yeah, that's me, like I get it. I understand that Jesus is real and I wanna live in expectation of him. Well, we wanna give you an opportunity just to acknowledge that and take your first step in this journey. Whether you know you know God and you're coming back or whether this is your very first time, you wanna acknowledge that you want Jesus to rule and reign in your life. We're gonna give you that opportunity. I'm gonna to count to three. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son as a sacrifice and atonement for your sins. Two, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait any longer right here, right now. Would you raise your hand? Three, come on, giving your life to Jesus, returning. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, can we celebrate these people? I see your hand. Hallelujah. Come on, let's celebrate people coming to know Jesus, returning back to him, expecting the king in their life. It's why we're here. Praise God. So proud of you for making that decision to make that statement of faith. And in a little bit, Manny's gonna come up and pray a prayer with you. And I just encourage you to pray that from your heart. But right here, I also wanna give a call to everybody else. Can we just simply raise our hands as an act of surrender? I know moments like this can feel a little bit weird and maybe against what you're used to but as an act of surrender, as an act of reverence and honor for Christ, can we lead the way? And I want to pray a prayer of you, and then we're going to sing this song together, declaring the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Lord, right now, I just thank you for every hand raised in this place. Right now, Lord, I pray that we will live in expectation of your kingship. We will live in expectation of you ruling. We know that you have all authority on heaven and earth, and so we give you authority of our lives. Lord, rule the throne of our hearts right now and lord let us lead the way in expectation come on let's sing this song and worship it thank you for listening to the Grace city tampa podcast stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church